0: Welcome to the final Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast of 2023. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include why M&A activity will continue. I answer questions about my life outside of mortgage banking. And there is none. <laughs> and just how the 10-year treasury yield ended 2023 right where it started. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor. Gallus Insights, your BI tool made by mortgage bankers for mortgage bankers. With Gallus, experience the simplicity of transforming complex data into actionable insights. It's smart, it's efficient, and it places automated KPIs right at your fingertips. If you can use Google, you can use Gallus. Go from data to knowledge with Gallus. Embrace simplicity. Embrace superiority with Gallus. And if you do reach out or sign up, Please let them know that you heard about it through the Crisman Commentary. Is ego a reason that your company is still in existence? Many lenders tell me that they have cut things to the bone, but now what? Some have cut high-producing branches after examining the net income of those branches, and a lot of volume doesn't mean a lot of profit. In a merger or acquisition, it is important to let the agencies know about a potential change in control as soon as feasible and prudent. Meanwhile, mergers and acquisitions continue on, whether they are involving lenders or vendors. My Home, a Williston Financial Group company, acquired Volley, a leading national provider of dynamic technology and marketing services for banks, credit unions, and mortgage lenders. Separately, we also learned this week that Cross Country Mortgage is buying AMCAP Mortgage in Houston, a privately held non-bank that is funded just under $2 billion this year, per Inside Mortgage Finance. Lenders tired of the rate volatility, the cost cutting, rates possibly trending higher with the Fed fighting inflation, until the Silicon Valley bank failure drove them down, may be looking at selling their company or merging it. There continues to be good deals for potential sellers, and the reason is that there are a lot of buyers who continue to want to grow market share in a down market. Recent deals have had upfront premiums and solid earnouts, with a good cultural fit for the parties. Often the premium being paid is driven by the ability for the seller to add the production without having to add all the corporate expense. So it can be painful decisions about the corporate debts, such as secondary, HR, risk, technology, etc. But the end result is that the production is worth more to the buyer than it is to the seller due to the cost savings. And that shows up on the premium offers. And the seller gets the balance sheet plus a share of that financial benefit. So it can be a potential win-win. Of course, it has to be a deal that makes sense for the LOs and production staff too, so that's why culture matters so much. In valuing a company, a potential buyer will look at the audited net worth and the discounted cash flows usually for the next three years of estimated earnings. Obviously, the devil's in the details and assumptions. The value to a potential buyer will depend on different factors, and the three main variables often used in an analysis are loan volumes, margins, cost structure, and profitability, and the current policies, procedures, and business model. I think that was more than three, but okay. (laughs) Of course, repurchase obligations are included, as well as existing or potential liabilities. Are there outstanding lawsuits? Is the buyer buying the entire company or a percentage of ownership? As in, a minority ownership has very little value. And it's not a simple process. Making assumptions about the future is problematic, and a thorough examination of these factors is where the value of a competent advisor shows itself. For today's final interview of the year, I actually let Attorney Brian Levy, who was on the show yesterday, ask me some questions about my life outside of mortgage banking. Here goes.
1: Can I ask you some questions? <laughs> yeah, totally. You wanna you
0: wanna start by doing that? Sure. Okay.
1: Um, so you know, Robbie, we 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 hear from you on on the podcast um, almost daily. And I feel like I'm starting to get to know you a little bit, um, certainly more than sort of the general audience. And I think there's some really interesting things about you, um, not just your experience in the mortgage business, but also also your experiences outside of the mortgage business. And, and one of the things that really struck me was your bike racing background. I, I really want to hear more about that. Like what what's the story on that?
0: Well, I grew up in Marin County where mountain biking was invented. And uh, on the weekends, my dad and I would ride bikes to the farmer's market and we'd meet my mom and my sister. And those are some of my early memories. In high school, I got away from it. I played baseball, basketball, football. In fact, my dad got me a road bike for Christmas one year. I think I rode it twice before just putting it in the garage and uh, sticking with ball sports. And in college, I got recruited. Recruited to play baseball at a bunch of different schools, but I wanted to go to school for the college experience. Uh, by, never, by
1: that you mean the the social experience or the education? The or the I, I
0: never, I never enjoyed playing baseball that much. I was just really good at it. <laughs> that sounds presumptuous, uh, but I know I never really enjoyed playing baseball. And uh, so one summer, I, I picked up bike riding and uh that first year i got on the podium at the national championships for usa cycling collegiate
1: whoa, whoa! whoa you just jumped from i decided to get on a bike basically to
0: well, we got we have time cuz we have time constraints here on the podcast i yeah you know, i had uh, a, all right we'll, I, we'll, I had we'll do the interview a, another time vo2 max like a uh like a thoroughbred horse olympian i don't know you know it was, i i was naturally always pretty strong and uh had good cardio and came Came naturally, so I got on the podium, Collegiate Nationals, my first year racing at the University of Texas. Uh, then, right after school, rather than going and working in the mortgage industry, my first job was went straight over to Switzerland to race bicycles for a uh, professional team over there, and that was short lived. You realize it's a very difficult sport; you're only as good as your last result a lot of the time, and. Uh, one hundred and fifty people might start a race, and one person wins. Three people make the podium. Everybody else is left by the wayside. You are
1: not happy being a domestique.
0: No, no, I I could win. I could win my own races. It's just a brutal, brutal sport versus a, almost every other sport. If you do the hundred meter dash or you you swim a three hundred meter freestyle, it's a short period of time, and you might be almost that you're neck and neck with the person that won. Bike racing a lot of time if there's hills and mountains it's people go until their heart explodes or their legs explode one way or the other and it's it's savage in that sense and so i remember one race i was doing outside of geneva we're in the the swiss alps right on the french border and for three hours i'm just trying to hang on the wheel in front of me it was raining it was freezing and uh i finally exploded and you you pop as they say and uh, i look up and I'm in the mountains, and it's like a rainforest with these waterfalls. And I, I hadn't been paying attention to any of the scenery, and I was like, "What am I doing? Bashing my head in every week, racing? I just, I like riding my bike. Uh, I don't need to take it to the the highest level like that. But I don't know. Well, if fair that, enough.
1: That's that's a good story.
0: It, yeah. Sure. It's. A, I mean, I could I could go on a half an hour rant about it. I I think riding a bicycle is a great. Way to All see. All right, it. we'll interview.
1: We'll we'll do the full interview another <laughs> time.
0: Well, I thought you had a bunch of questions. One, and, and my answers are so droll that we you want to go back to compliance. I, w- I want to follow up on w- one of the one of the things you said on
1: um, one of your I think it was the last one that you did with your dad is that that you didn't need you, you kind of were were poo pooing the idea that you needed a coach in in sports in as a as a as a bike racer you were kind of like yeah i didn't need that motivation to 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 achieve my best and i i actually you know feel like that's very helpful to have somebody in your ear helping pushing you um you need something external to push you in addition to what's internal but
0: you didn't seem to need that well in hindsight in hindsight it certainly would have helped because as i said in that weekly show with my dad it would have provided more structure to the pre-existing motivation. I had no problem getting up and going and riding three, four, five hours training rides. I, I love that. I didn't do structured interval training workouts, or uh, I I just had no structure really with my training. No rest days, no medium day. No, no I mean no structure in general. I've, I've said that already, and that's where I think coaching can be good. That that was my takeaway from what I was trying to say in that call with my dad was. A coach shouldn't be there to motivate you per se. They should be there to kind of hone the the edge of the sword, you know, sharpen the the point of the mm-hmm. arrow, sort of thing. And uh, if you if you need motivation to close loans and make money for your family, or you need motivation to ride a bicycle when that's that's what you're trying to do with your life, that that's a problem. You need to find a different career, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I think you you have to get out of bed and you have to get on the bike. Um, but I think you know a coach can certainly improve how you bike, you know, whether that's your 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 push you to try harder than maybe you would push yourself
0: or you know, technique or whatever it is that you're working on. Um, and I, I agree that having that external voice can drive you that much further. I mean, look at like in the Tour de France, the time trials they do. They have a radio in their helmet, and if they show you the audio feed, it's some some European guy constantly going, go, 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 you can go faster, faster, faster. You got like for 30 minutes or 40 minutes, however long the time trial is. And it does make a difference in terms of having somebody in your ear pushing you, driving you. Uh, some people need that more than others.
1: The older I get, I think, mental focus and motivation is sort of a broad word, I think. But, you know, being able to um, push yourself is easier um, as you get older. It's more of a mental game than a physical game. What, what motivates you in your career currently? Well, it's different um, than than sort of pushing yourself physically. Um, and that's why I said, I think I said sports analogies can only go so far. <laughs> I'm not really sure what motivates me, you know, to... to do well in my in my professional career. I, this is just how uh, I've, I've always been. Um, you know, I, I think excellence is important. I think um, listening to your clients is is critical, um, and then having solutions that they can actually implement. So I always tell people it's easy to be a lawyer and say, "Well, this is what you should do." But that's not particularly helpful sometimes because in order to execute on whatever that guidance is, uh, your clients need to get people, they need to get systems, they need to get uh, resources. And, you know, if you aren't cognizant of the the constraints that they're under, your your guidance isn't particularly helpful. Um, And so I was really, I've always been that way. I've always been very practical. I've always been very, you know. I don't know that it's empathetic, but it's, it's understanding, putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and um, helping them achieve their objectives. That's,
0: that's I, what I, I latched on to, to one thing you said there, which is this commitment to excellence, not to sound like Al Davis, the Raiders owner, but if you're going to do something, why half-ass it? Yeah. You gotta, you're, I'm my reputations at stake when I put something out there. Uh, I, you know, why would you, why, yeah. Why, why phone it in?
1: Well, no, I mean, I want to stay on that point, that, that excellence point um, because I think it's a, it's a really important one. Um, you know, I don't, um, I don't sell my name easily. I mean, <laughs> it, people want, I, I, my own credibility is the most valuable thing I have. Um. And that's something I won't, I won't give away. Um, People will ask me to put something in my mortgage musings, you know, um, about them or, you know, promote something. And I'm, I'm not for sale in that respect. You know, like if I think something's good, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. Um, And, you know, so that's why um, that mortgage musings is really a full expression of me. I don't feel um, constrained in any way. Although I think in one of my footnotes, I noted that, you know, Hey, I mean, I, 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 my client base is mostly independent mortgage bankers and bank owned subsidiaries. Um, probably not likely that I'm going to say things that are going to be, uh, detrimental to their business.
0: Um, you know, uh, you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. Um, yeah, maybe maybe now's a a good time to say, uh, just so everybody, a quick reminder to everybody today's podcast is brought to you by Gallus Insights, bringing data from your various databases and systems into automated business intelligence. Sorry, Brian, what were you saying? Go on. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm, I, listen, I, that, I, I think it's important to um, disclose your briars and um i'm not familiar with your sponsors so i can't say anything bad or good about them but um if they sponsor the christmas podcast uh i'm sure they're they're good just from that perspective
0: and if somebody wants to be in the the mortgage musings i'm sure they're good from that perspective too yes
1: yeah well um listen i'm I, like i said i'm not i'm not for sale in that respect
0: um <laughs> maybe this interview should be like a uh a, a uh intervention how i how i'm not how to not whore myself out for a quick buck?
1: Yeah, well, maybe, maybe I should, maybe I should change my my view. You you tell me how much they're paying you for the sponsorship, and you know, there's an old there's an old um, uh, uh, Woody Allen joke before he got in all kinds of trouble with his uh, sexual proclivities. But um, it, it, the joke goes like this: they they called me and they asked me to do a vodka ad. And I said, I'm not going to do a vodka ad. This is what he's talking. I'm not going to do a vodka ad. Uh, vodka, you know, it, it's it's alcohol. People people have all kinds of problems with drinking and and it just causes problems. You know, alcoholism leads to so much, you know, death and liver disease and so many terrible things. I'm not I'm not going to do a vodka ad. They want to pay you a million dollars. I said, hold on. I'll get Mr. Allen. <laughs>
0: yeah so, I, I mean every, everybody has a price
1: everybody has a price
0: <laughs> everybody has a price uh mine might not be that high hey if anybody's out there listening and wants to consider sponsoring uh a week of this podcast let me know i'm pretty booked for 2024 but uh we can always do sponsored interviews i haven't been sure what day it is all week but we're finally at the end of it and we have even abbreviated trading session to boot Markets this week continued to price in aggressive rate cuts throughout 2024 despite the Fed's latest dot plot only calling for 75 basis points of easing in the latter half of the year. Pricing in Fed funds futures contracts implies a nearly 75% chance that the Fed will ease rates by a quarter point in March. Yesterday, bonds, which include those backed by mortgages, gave back price gains from earlier in the week as the market responded to weak demand during the day's $40 billion 7-year note auction. The poor auction invited some additional selling that lifted yields toward their opening levels from Wednesday. After a tumultuous year, the 10 year bond yield is roughly unchanged on a year to date basis. Speaking of rates, Freddie Mac reported the 30 year primary mortgage market survey recorded its ninth consecutive decline this week to 6.61%. Since rates peaked in the latter part of October, The rate has fallen 118 basis points to its lowest level since 6.57% in the week ending May 25th. Year over year, however, it remains up by 19 basis points and by 339 basis points above the beginning of 2022 before the Fed began hiking in March of that year. In terms of economic data yesterday, the National Association of Realtors reported that pending home sales in November remained the same as one month ago. Unfortunately, pending home sales dropped in all four U.S. regions compared to one year ago. The advanced goods trades deficit widened to $90.3 billion in November from a revised deficit of $89.6 billion in October. Advanced retail inventories were down 0.1% in November after decreasing a positively revised 0.1% in October. Advanced wholesale inventories were down 0.2% in November after decreasing a revised 0.3% in October. The final trading day for 2023 doesn't have much going on, with just Chicago PMI for December due out later this morning before a SIFMA-recommended early close. That pretends even thinner trading conditions, though there may be some month-end index movement. For those planning on an extra-long weekend, next week sees risk events ramping up with ISM manufacturing, jolts, minutes from the FOMC's December 12th and 13th meeting, ADP employment, and payrolls. Before the early close, and if anyone is logging loans today, we begin the day with age and CMBS prices roughly unchanged from yesterday, and the 10-year yielding 386 after closing yesterday at 3.85%. See you in 2024. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. How about some drinking quotes ahead of the weekend? He was in a pub when he proposed. It was very romantic. He got up on one knee. What's the only drink size they allow in North Korea? A supreme leader. A termite walks into the bar and says, "Where is the bartender?" What did the bartender say when Charles Dickens ordered a martini? Olive or twist? What's the difference between deer nuts and beer nuts? Beer nuts are 175, but deer nuts are under a buck. <laughs> Two men walked into a bar. The third one ducked. A minister, a priest, a rabbi walk into a bar. What is this? Asked the bartender. Some kind of joke? A dyslexic guy walks into a bra. A snake crawls into a bar and orders whiskey, but the bartender won't serve him because he can't hold his liquor. Thanks again to Gallus Insights. Mortgage KPI is automated at your fingertips. Gallus allows you to go from data to actionable insights. If you can use Google, you can use Gallus. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at RobCrisman.com. Visit RobCrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search mortgage news on any platform you get your podcast from.